Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. the show, we want to shout out our sponsor, Studio Sweden. Studio is a Scandinavian headphone and earbud company that wants your headphones to not just be a high-tech device, but also a high-fashion accessory. For real. So it can be hard to choose between headphones that look great and also sound great, but these headphones do both. They have a super cool modern design and still provide the quality of the highest rated headphones on the market. Also, they use Bluetooth sorcery that can connect to any device. (laughs) Uh, Don't ask me how it works. And they charge really quickly, and the charge lasts a super long time. We're using the Region On-Ear model, which is geared toward clarity and balanced sound, so it's super perfect for recording and podcast editing. But they do offer great earbud styles, too, including a sweat-proof model ideal for the gym. Not that we know what it's like to go to a gym or to sweat. Uh, these headphones are sold at studiosweden.com, and that is studio, S-U-D-I-O, as in studio. <laughs> We've got a promo code for you, which is GALS, G-A-L-S, and it's uh, live now to get 15% off. So lucky for you, this code never expires, so treat yourself at your earliest convenience. Check out Studio Sweden. Now on to the show. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm Kenyon. I'm Lucy. And I'm Amanda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody can tell the difference between me and Lucy. Nope. But nope. Amanda, you're good. You're fine. You stand out. I often <laughs> see you two as like those famous Siamese twins from Minnesota, so this works for me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Brittany and Josie the other day getting ice cream cones. <laughs> oh, no. Courtney played volleyball against them. Yeah. Oh no. Their best. Yes. That was odd. Two she accused them of cheating. <laughs> she accused them of cheating. Because they're two individuals, but because they have two arms between them, they yep. count as one athlete. But they have the brains of two people. Did not sit right. well with Courtney. From a strategy did standpoint, not. I see where she's coming from. That isn't fair. <laughs> The one time I saw them in person was at Perkins, and they were sitting yep. in a booth next to a mirrored wall. Yeah, so yep, I, was I was there. So fucking confused. Like, <laughs> yes. How many are you on there? Welcome to my life with no depth perception. Mirrors and like windows with glare. Everything becomes really confusing. What sorcery is this? <laughs> dimension am I peering into? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, so it's wow. disorienting. 
disorienting. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Speaking of disorienting, what's the topic today? All right. All right. <laughs> uh, the topic this week is we decided to go back to some fun, uh, nerdy forensic stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Once again, Lu- I had a fucking heyday with it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Lucy's favorite. So this week, the topic is forensic odontology. Yeah. Which means basically teeth. Mm-hmm. Forensic dentistry. Lucy Forensic basically dentistry. slid Look off her chair when we teeth. announced this, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> With is a slip it and slide. Is it here or is it just me? <laughs> you guys, I'm not wearing pants right now. <laughs> oh my God. It's real you have hot. To get, you should get those like pee proof underwear. <laughs> thinks. Period oh, thinks. underwear. I want yeah. some. Me too. Yeah. Let's yeah, get them thanks. to. If you're listening, we're, we would love a sponsorship. We're looking for sponsors. We all <laughs> menstruate. This could be a great opportunity for you. <laughs> okay, back to fucking teeth. Mm-hmm. So, Amanda, what is our wine crime pairing for forensic odontology? Yes, 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 yes. So, this week yes, I chose. Queen. Von Buell Bone Dry Riesling. Ooh. Mm. Bones. Bone Dry. Because, you know, teeth are bones. Basically. But that's okay. (laughs) Lucy, they're not. I was going to say, are they bones? I said basically. I don't think they're bones. I said basically. (laughs) Oh, my God. No. You know what? To a great this stuff. is not the most far-fetched pairing so far, it's so not. I'm going to let it slide. And I'm actually, and slide. I did choose it because of the label, as per usual, because the label is, like, this really ornate skull, but the skull is made up of, like, grapevines and leaves and, like, a pineapple. And the Ooh. teeth of the skull are little bundles of grapes. They're so weird and cool. Oh. <laughs> I love right. it. That fits then. Yeah. If the teeth on the skull are, are interesting and unique, yeah. then I feel like that that fits. That's more than I why that grosses from. me out so much. <laughs> so it looks really creepy. Um, <laughs> I don't want to go too deeply into the Riesling varietal itself because we recently discussed Riesling in episode 25, but this mm-hmm. old school varietal that like dates back to the 15th century, like Riesling has been around for fucking ever, deserves mm-hmm. more than just one small dive. So we're going to do it again. Um, I really want to debunk the age-old rumor of Riesling only being sweet, because this just is simply not true. Um, American Mm. consumers view it as, like, a sweet wine that their grandma drank, and California producers kind of perpetuated this issue by making off-dry, meaning, like, very sweet Riesling wines throughout the 70s and 80s, and they just, like, exploded Mm. in popularity around the U.S., Um, Mm -hmm. But there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with sweet wine. I like to say, how do you know if a wine is good? And the answer is, if you like it. Like, a lot of people really like sweet wine. And there are some Mm -hmm. sweet wines that I find completely delicious. My palate veers toward dry wines. So this Riesling is a little bit more for me. But that's not to say that if you like sweet wine that you're, like, doing it wrong. 
Um, mm-hmm. But Riesling is yeah. actually a much more complex varietal than it's really known for. It has a wide-ranging um, like array of tasting notes that can be achieved depending on the desired outcome by the winemaker. So this is true of really any wine that you produce. I'd say especially white wine um, because it can really have like a very sweet or a very dry or very in-between result depending on how you... Um, treat the fermentation process. So with any So it's not really about the grape itself, it's about the process. It it's I think it's a it's very much a collaborative effort. Like grapes are okay. obviously going to have very distinctive flavors, but the way that you handle that grape is also going to have a huge impact on the end result. So okay. with any wine variety, the residual sugar that's left in the product after the fermentation process is going to be the main contributor to the sweetness of the wine. So residual sugar uh, really just refers to any natural grape sugars that are left over after the fermentation ceases. So the juice of wine grapes start out intensely sweet for pretty much any grape across the board, and fermentation mm-hmm. uses up that sugar to feed the yeast um, that creates the fermentation, which is basically the divine process that gives us alcohol. So the yeast is eating the sugar, right? So there's residual sugar that's left over after fermentation ends, and then it's up to the winemaker to decide, okay, how much of this am I going to keep to affect the flavor profile, or how much of this am I going to siphon off? So mm-hmm. many Rieslings include... What, hap- what happens to the yeast? Because um, it's not like... It's a, living wine. Or- it's a living organism. So you can, I mean, at least in the beer world, like you can, you can keep repopulating it, basically, and use it in more and more batches. Like, you can keep it alive. Is, is that what a SCOBY is? Yes, but, like, there are different what? terms for it in all different, um, uh, like, brewing worlds. Like, in, uh, in sake, they make uh, koji which is basically like a rice yeast that's like a living organism that you have to keep maintained in a very specific environment. There's like all kinds of different terms for it, depending on like what part of the world you're in, basically. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I think scobies are at least for kombucha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kombucha oh, is, is fermented, but it's not alcoholic. So it's a different process, but yeah, I mean... It's that's low alcohol. Yeah, but it, yeah, anyone can drink it. Um... But yeah, so this Riesling, um, they work out all of the residual sugar. So a lot of Rieslings will do that, and that leaves a nice balanced acidity with a very dry finish while still having some of that fruit. Mm-hmm. So nice. let's see if that's true. We're cracking. Is it a pop or a crack? We're cracking oh, this crack. week. Here we go. Oh. 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 Nice crack. Nice crack. All right, cheers, ladies. Cheers. cheers. Um, All right. Speaking of crack, I have a quick joke for you. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> why, why didn't the toilet paper cross the road? <laughs> why? Because it got stuck in a crack. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. One of your oh, worst geez. ones yet. Oh, no. <laughs> Lucy's jokes are epically awful. <laughs> you can't even call them dad jokes. Like, they're too bad to be dad jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This wine Take is absolutely delicious, by the way. If, you're, if you like Pinot Grigios or Sauve Blancs that are, like, nice and crisp and finish nice and dry, definitely check out Bone Dry. I could see this pairing really well with food. Chicken or fish? Mm-hmm. Chicken or fish? Chicken or fish that I'm eating? Is this? It says chicken by the sea. (laughs) Oh my 
my god, I miss 2002. I know. Such a good know. year. Glory I'm also days. really sad that I never bought those banana yellow pumps from the Jessica Simpson line. You really Lucy, should do have. You you were with I me? do remember those. Yeah. I think you about kind those of obsessed like, with them. Weekly. And they were Aww. like $20 and I didn't buy them. God damn it. That was a lot oh, back well. then. We all have it our was. regrets. It's still a lot mm-hmm. to me now. Um, all right, Lucy, you have a special segment this week. So. I do. So uh, let's get into that. Yes. I, well, okay, backing up. Just a little background for forensic odontology that we may not cover uh, down the road. So again, it's uh, known as forensic dentistry, so it's just applying dental knowledge in the criminal justice system. Okay. So forensic odontologists do a lot of different things. Um, The majority is identifying bodies and remains Mm -hmm. uh, by their teeth and dental work. Um, They also work with, uh, in mass fatalities, identifying people by their teeth because um, often, well, that is... Using forensic odontology is faster and cheaper than um, DNA analysis. So oh, es- okay. Especially in a situation where you have dozens a or hundreds or thousands of bodies to identify. It's, right. It's definitely the fastest way to go about it. For sure. <clears throat> Interesting. Okay. Um, uh, they uh, can also assist in determining a person's age along with their sex, race, occupation, socioeconomic status of unidentified bodies to try to get an idea of who this person is. Mm -hmm. You can tell someone's race from their teeth? Apparently. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of interesting. But it's usually age. Um, That's Uh the easiest way to tell, you know, based on, like, where, uh, whether their wisdom teeth have come through. Oh, yeah. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Or, like, how much dental surgery they've had. And I could see the socioeconomic yeah. status thing. Like, do they have gold fillings? Oh, yeah. Did they have, like, expensive crowns or, like, any of that uh-huh. shit yeah. done? Yeah. And sense. also just how much you get, get an idea of how many times that person has visited the dentist in their life, mm-hmm. if at all. Do you think? Right, yeah, just how well they take care of their teeth. Do you think mm-hmm. they put a serial number on fillings so that if you ever had to be identified, they could pull it out and, like, match it to your... No. But they should. They absolutely should. That's a good idea. Yeah. But actually, as we'll get into it, um, there are lots of different ways you can identify a person based on their teeth. Mm -hmm. So that might be overkill. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Um, So then also we're going to talk about bite mark injuries. So they Mm -hmm. work in assessing those types of injuries either left on the victim, on the perpetrator, or on another object at the scene. Mm. And there's Mm -hmm. also a lot of controversy involved in bite mark um, analysis. So we'll talk about that also. Also, as I learned earlier this week when I was working on my case... uh, Collecting DNA from a bite mark does not count mm-hmm. as forensic odontology, and so I had to start the fuck over. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Sorry about it. Yeah. Yep. I only read 26 pages of a detailed fucking medical PDF document. It's fine. Well, that's it's on fine. you. That's it's on fine. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a forensic odontologist might be the person to retrieve 
Uh, because there's no DNA in your the tooth itself, but the pulp. Again, our favorite yep. word. Good the God. tooth pulp inside the tooth has DNA mm-hmm. in it. There's so that tooth the tooth oh, will get to that. Yes. We will get to that. So the tooth itself just kind of works as a container for the DNA that would be used in the DNA analysis, which is a different field of forensics. So that's why it didn't really fall into this category. Sorry. Oh, I wish you could see my <laughs> face right now as a reaction to tooth pulp. Tooth pulp. Oh, we will get we will get into tooth pulp. Don't worry. Oh, I'm oh, so good. excited. Yeah. Pulp, I also pulp pulp. I also thought it was interesting um, that the very first case of forensic odontology in what was to become the United States was in 1692 during the Salem witch trials. Oh, cool. What? Uh, Reverend George Burroughs was convicted of witchcraft. Um, he. They said that he would become possessed and bite his victims. So that was some evidence shown in court to some judges, and that was enough to convict him, and he was hanged. And then 20 years later, he was exonerated because, whoops. <laughs> so they, they, were like, they were, like, proving that a certain bite mark was him based on the position of the teeth. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. Like, the yep. most original form of... Uh, forensic odontology, I think, was just, like, matching up bite marks. Bite marks. Yeah, because they didn't have, like, filling. X-rays. No. Like, x-ray, yeah. yeah, dental records mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's the yeah. kind of stuff that's used most often nowadays. So, if you I have... I feel like most of the dentistry back then was just pulling teeth. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, uh, it should be... It should go without saying that having dental records available makes... A, a forensic odontologist's job way easier yeah. than if they did not have anything to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the special treat for today, I had the privilege of interviewing Dr. Richard Lee Evans, who is Woo-hoo! a forensic odontologist. I'm so and excited he, for this. He works as a practicing dentist um, just because you have to be a practicing dentist in order to be a forensic odontologist in the UK. Mm. So, so you can't be like a retired dentist. You have to actually be you, practicing. You have, yep. You have to be practicing. You have to keep up your certification, all that stuff. Makes sense. Okay. <clears throat> um, he works as a, like a lecturer or a, um, some kind of instructor, instructor at the university of Dundee in Scotland, which is mm. the crocodile only Dundee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wrong, yeah. wrong country. <laughs> Whatever. It is the Completely wrong Dundee. country. <laughs> it's the only <laughs> master's program in the UK for forensic odontology. So, and they Ooh. have a very limited intake of students, and so they're very highly specialized. And this guy knows what the fuck he's talking about. That's so cool. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Yes. Yeah. So, um, we're gonna call him Doctor Lee because he doesn't like to go by Richard. He made the joke that people calling him Richard make him sound like a dick. <laughs> I love him already. <laughs> Dr. Lee, I love him. Dr. Paging Lee. Paging Dr. Lee. Oh, Paging wait, Dr. Okay, Lee. okay, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> We're not just going to ditch Dr. Nandy and start falling no. in love with Dr. Lee. He'll get his own catchphrase. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, so he, it was really, really interesting talking to him, um, not only because he has a very charming British accent, but oh. <laughs> it was just really interesting, everything he had to say. So um, I have some clips of our conversation that we will play 
here, but we will also have the entire interview available for our Patreon patriots to listen to mm-hmm. if yep. you want to listen to an hour and 20 minutes of me flirting with a British friend. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'm going to start oh my donating God. to our I'm gonna own I'm going to have to become a Patreon donator <laughs> so I can listen. Uh, donate to ourselves. Do they get yeah, 30 cents a month? Because that's all I can afford right now. <laughs> the, low, the lowest tier is a dollar a month. Too rich for and my you blood. you can cancel at any time. I'm just saying if you really want to be a cheap bastard. That's fair. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> We're not going to tell you how to cancel, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's allegedly but, possible. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make we'll make that uh, whole audio hour and a half or whatever available to all the Patreon tiers. Um, so anytime you join Patreon or if you're already a Patreon supporter, you'll have access to that. Yup. Um, Sweet. So he actually started out our interview with his own wine crime pairing. Oh my god! Awesome. <laughs> I love it. Is it better than Bones? Um, I don't know. Bones, I guess. I think he just picked a random wine that he had at home, but he gave us some okay. lovely notes on it. So okay. <laughs> that'll be on the full version of the interview. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so let's get into just a little bit of introduction about him and what he does. Well, my full name is Dr. Richard Lee Evans. I'm a practicing dentist and forensic odontologist. I have a master's degree in forensic dentistry. I've taught forensic dentistry at master's degree level uh, for the last three years, um, as well as running a dental practice and doing forensic work. Um, I've been doing it for 15 years. I've done over 230 cases for the police, coroners, lawyers, um, been involved in mass fatality incidents such as the um, tsunami in 2004 um, in the Indian Ocean. Um, I'm a member of the UK Disaster Victim Identification Team, um, Honorary Secretary of the British Association for Human Identification, uh, former committee member of the British Association for Forensic Odontology. Um, I kind of think that's about it. There's not a lot else <laughs> professionally left to say. <laughs> there are plenty of other wonderful people in the world, you know, who know more than I do and who I respect greatly. And some of them are actually in your neck of the woods. So, you know, which is why I did offer. I did say I could have put you in touch with a few guys in the States and there. But, you know, you wanted me, so what the heck. Have you guys, did you guys ever see that movie? Uh, about the tsunami, about the like fa- the tourist family. Yeah, no, that was, that was scary it because it scares the oh shit out of me. I just sobbed. Oh. I just sobbed and sobbed. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, so we talked about why why teeth. Like when I kind of touched on this a minute ago. Um, why are t- why is odontology an a, a, like its own field? Mm-hmm. And it's just because you can you know you can tell so much about a person. He says he can identify a body in twenty minutes if they have complete dental records. Oh wow, it's amazing. Yeah, you can't just say you know just because you have one person who's got an intact dentition that you could say that's definitely that person because any number of other people of that sex, build, racial feature could be, could have an entirely intact dentition. You're looking for the individual restorations 
on certain tooth surfaces to match in. That's what makes it more like a fingerprint than because you have distinct characteristics in each position that are very, very unlikely to be mimicked by another person anywhere in the world, realistically. Um, but again, you will get very close matches, particularly in mass fatality incidents. You can see a lot of cases where you will have a number of bodies that will have you know, a crown on the upper right first molar, for example. Uh, the same type of crown, for example, a full gold. Um, so on that basis alone, you couldn't identify one person there but moving on into the bicuspid area one person will will their records will say that they have a resin filling on two surfaces well that will immediately rule out several of the deceased very quickly because they don't have that feature so it slowly narrows down from there but in a single incident say you have you know a car crash lone driver, no passengers there, the first thing you'd look at is you look at the vehicle identification number for the car and trace that back to who owns that vehicle. The odds are it's going to be the owner or a member of their family who's driving the vehicle. So you're going to narrow down who that is very, very quickly. There, And then you can search out and say, all right, well, who's your dentist? Go to the dentist, get the records compare and unless you know the car has been stolen then realistically you're going to know very very quickly I mean I can, I can walk into a morgue with a body there that's they've got an idea of who it is from you know say the VIN plate on the car or whatever and you know it's no different to doing a dental examination same as you'd go for a checkup at your dentist it's have a look at the teeth note all the information that's visible there, take x-rays if needed and otherwise compare it then to the records that are there and I could maybe identify a body in 20-25 minutes. The DNA is found inside the tooth um, but forensic odontology using that to identify a body is again faster and cheaper because the DNA analysis takes up to two weeks. Yeah like average mm -hmm. two weeks and you can he said you can pay more money to have it expedited for a couple days but if it's it's the government that's paying for this analysis because it's a criminal justice case and they, they just don't pay right unless here's, it's like a high profile case or he, something like here's that. here's my question if dna mm -hmm. analysis takes this long how does maury povich define <laughs> who the father is within <laughs> one 45 minute episode <laughs> of Maury. Something tells me he hasn't pee on a stick before yeah. the show. Yeah, airs. they're definitely collecting some like voluntary samples beforehand. It's definitely like, here, have this glass of Mountain Dew. I mean, I assumed, but whatever. <laughs> I like to also, think. Also, we'll never know how. Uh, how um, reliable those no. are. They're probably just getting people to, like, run off the stage. No, I think know. it's 100% yeah, accurate. accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it. The credibility is there. 
and you have just <laughs> destroyed the third wall for me because I imagine this like intense round the clock forensic team just behind <laughs> the screen with Maury's name on it, just like just never state sleeping. Of the art yes. forensics. It's like the oh greatest God. forensic lab that ever existed. It, oh, it's owned by Maury. I love it. He's the lead forensic. So either you're right or I'm right, but I'm going with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They all have mustaches. Every single lab worker. Oh my god. Male or female, you get a mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, we're going to go back to Dr. Lee. He's going to tell us about one specific case that's pretty gnarly, but it just goes to show how difficult it is to fully dispose of all evidence if you Mm -hmm. have murdered someone. I've done IDs confirmed from as little as 13 fragments of tooth and three pieces of jawbone, all of which, for this particular case, um, this was a girl, 19 years of age. Um, She decided to leave her boyfriend He did not take the news well, so he killed her, um, dismembered her body, uh, burned it in an open fire for about six days and nights straight, whilst crushing the bones with a sledgehammer. Um, And yeah, we basically got handed three sacks of soot and fragments that we had to filter through and pull out all the, all of the pieces that were bone and tooth and yet we were able to confirm that it was her from those it took us three days that was a three-man team working for three solid days but yet you can do it from very very little because as I say teeth will survive pretty much everything a human tooth will survive fire up until 400 degrees Celsius. At that point, it will explode. The pulp, the living part of the tooth in the center, is basically blood vessels, tissue, and water. You apply heat to water in an enclosed vessel, it's steam. It's building pressure, it's got nowhere to go, so it just blows the tooth apart. And you will get fragments of that, of course, in the, in a, skull the roots of the teeth are embedded in the jawbone so they are actually braced by that so what you will see blow off will typically be the crown structure the visible part of the tooth but the rest will pretty much remain intact fuck that's amazing that is fragments of teeth that is insane that is amazing yep. i mean what these people can do uh, i mean that case is horrifying but what they can do with that evidence is i'm is unbelievable it's it unreal. is unreal, yeah. Also, before I had braces, my teeth were so fucking jumbled in my mouth that my mom lovingly described it to anyone who would listen as it's like someone just tossed some chiclets in there. Oh my god. Oh my god. She's so loving. Yep. It's a goddamn loving. mess. It's a goddamn catastrophe is what it is. I had headgear. And, you know, I never had braces, so now she's got braces and I got to pay for it. Mm. 
I had braces, I had headgear, I had rubber bands, I had a retainer <laughs> that I never wore, and now I have, like, a never. glorious snaggletooth. Yeah. So, sorry, parents. I have- I have a lower, uh, lower level mini snaggle teeth because mm-hmm. I never wore my retainer. Mm-hmm. My well. top, my top teeth are perfect, but my bottom teeth are a little squished. And I also have yeah. four <laughs> fewer molars than most adults because my mouth is so small. You and had like all of your teeth pulled. I had t- twenty six teeth pulled yep. over my life. Yep. Most of my baby teeth and some adult teeth. And yes, oh as God. those who are in our happy hour Facebook group, <laughs> I have a necklace of my teeth. <laughs> yep. Which Fancy. I think I'm going to take it, once I find it, I'm going to take it apart and like make it into something a little classier looking, like less mid-90s smiley oh face my beads. God, yes. I would like you I to wear, wear that. it to my wedding. Yep. I will, you know I'll wear it. Okay, make a, so make a you're going to be the maid of honor. I need wear. you to wear the necklace. I might get my ears pierced for the first time in my life just to make earrings out of them as well. Make, a, like make her a tooth tiara to wear on her wedding day. <gasps> tooth tiara. I'm not going to wear your teeth, but you need to wear your <laughs> the teeth. The fuck you Think won't. of how symbolic. It's if you're, my day. I don't if I'm care. your best friend, you'll wear my teeth. <laughs> I'll wear your teeth to your funeral. Actually, that's brilliant. Yeah, let's plan on that. Yeah. New plan. Okay. Yeah, so if anyone ever needs my DNA to, like, frame me for something. This is why I want to repair my snaggle. Because it's so distinctive that I could easily be identified by snaggle alone. I love your snaggle. Me too. Yeah. Makes you look a little scrappy. It catches the light (laughs) at sunset. (laughs) It catches the light. Glitters. Little mischievous glint. It does make you look scrappy. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't fuck with me. I've got a weird snaggle tooth. Okay, moving back to Dr. Lee. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So we did do a lot of discussion about... Do a lot of discussion? We discussed um, how (laughs) laws in the United... In the United Kingdom are different than laws in the United States. And so we got to um, this controversy of bite mark identification. Mm. So let's Mm -hmm. hear what he has to say. Um, That's a very controversial area now, particularly in the States. Um, Largely due to what I can only describe as a royal screw-up by your legal system for about 20 years. There is, the unfortunate thing about bite marks is there is limited scientific proof of concept. Mainly because you will never ever get a research ethics board to agree to you biting a living person. It just doesn't happen. Strange but true, they don't like it very much. As a consequence, the research data that is there is largely based on cadavers which do not respond the way human flesh does. So that's been known for years. And in Britain, we don't have a major problem with the whole bite mark process because we've accepted that long ago and we don't step beyond what we can actually say in court. This again comes into one of the differences in the systems. In Britain, all experts are bound to the court. It doesn't matter who engages us, whether it's the police, whether it's a lawyer for the defence. Our duty is to the court. 
our reports are written for the court. So there are no hired guns. You can't get an opinion that suits your case. You used to be able to 20, 30 years ago, but no longer. In the States, as a lot of the Innocence Project cases in, uh, involving bite mark exonerations have shown, the police had actually had odontologists give opinions that said your suspect is not involved in this murder or this case. They then threw that evidence out and called in another odontologist who gave them the opinion they wanted. Yeah, that is not a position you want to find yourself in at the end of the day. Um, so that's been a lot of the problem there and people giving opinions that really weren't scientifically valid. That's cool. Again, the Brits do it better. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the they wear those cool better. wigs in court, which like, where are our wigs? It's amazing. I know. For real. But also fucking patriarchy. I demand the wigs. <laughs> you know, no the, one's you know stopping women, you from wearing a wig. Like the women judges, you know, not, I mean, all judges are, can be male or female, right? But the judges who happen to be female also wear those male wigs. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's insane. Well, they're not really male wig. I mean, they're not yeah. particularly masculine wigs. Well, no, but those they are well, derived yeah, no, but from they are. the men of high court having those hairstyles. Yeah, like women wore different hairstyle wigs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show up in, I like, think... an Elizabethan, like, eight-tiered <laughs> curl powder wig. It's like a wedding cake <laughs> on top of your head. When I inevitably go to trial for something. I have, I have that wig. You can use it. The beehive oh wig. I think yours is more yeah. blonde or yellow. I need it to be powder white. Yeah. Like well, purple. with enough baby powder, you'll be fine. We'll paint it. Yeah. You'll be yeah. fine. We'll paint it like Kenyon's chair. <laughs> like the fucking chair. It works out every time. Oh, my uh, God. I love that okay. after all that amazing information, all we can talk about are the wigs <laughs> in court. <laughs> wigs. Yeah. We're so classy. Well, We're like, wow, that really is a better judicial system. But the wigs. So on to the wigs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll get into more of the differences in our court systems a little bit later. We can't, our uh, interview was not really scattered, but we sort of started out easy and then got into the heavy shit mm-hmm. later down the road. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also will hear from him a little bit about his experience in Malaysia with the uh, 2004 tsunami. Mm. Um, I was assigned by the British government um, along with a pathologist and a technician. Um, I joined up with uh, European teams uh, from France, Germany and Holland who sent the same personnel, pathologists, odontologists, technicians, um, to go out and examine the deceased who had been recovered and also as we found when we got into country uh, we were actually the body recovery team that we knew nothing about beforehand. So we actually spent our first week there exhuming mass graves because the infrastructure was so badly damaged they couldn't transport the dead to a, a mortuary or a hospital. So on health grounds they simply dug a hole, threw the bodies in, covered it. That was it, but it was basically you needed to avoid risk of infection to the survivors. 
from rotting corpses. So yeah, we spent six days in yeah, basically 100, 110 Fahrenheit heat, 95% humidity, wearing full body protective gear, head to toe, down, you know, 12 feet down in the ground, pulling bodies out left, right and centre. Um, we exhumed 48 bodies in that in six days from multiple sites um, and actually only managed to identify three because of the time that we spent exhuming the graves we didn't have time to actually spend examining and identifying them so that then fell to the next team that arrived in country um, the way it works you, if you're deployed to a mass fatality incident you will work two weeks and then you will return home. A replacement team will come in and take over and that will repeat for as long as it's needed. And if you are needed again, you'll be called out again and deployed, but it won't be for at least six weeks after your previous deployment. It's to ensure that your psychological health is maintained and you've got the ability to access assistance and don't burn out. Um, but very strangely, the second body that I examined um, and identified in the tsunami was a patient from my practice. Yeah. Oh my God. No. How, yeah. Did he recognize them? Did he know? Um, so, if, I mean, if you look at the photos on the drive, you're not going to recognize those people. Right. Um, they're half decomposed and they're muddy. Um, right. So he basically... Uh, I think he like called he he got her dental records and he was like looking through her dental records and he's like wow I recognize that handwriting and oh that's weird her, she lives like not too far away from me when she looked at her address and then he recognized oh the handwriting as his partner in his dentist oh my practice god. my god can you imagine what a fucking nightmare just a, what a nightmare it would be to have to exhume bodies from a mass grave oh god mm -hmm. i'll never that are three weeks old i'll never care yeah. about oh my any god. job enough to work in those conditions i just i know this about myself i just won't yeah yeah, yeah i'd be like oh i'm so sorry my Uncle's cat needs sitting. I, I, I left. Can't. I left the oven on, and there's a Jack's frozen pizza in there. I have to go back to the states immediately. Just because of the heat and the exhaustion, yeah. or because of what mortifying work it is? No, the heat. I'll dig up a dead body. It's the heat and the sweat. Yeah, more than the heat. Probably the no heat way. and the humidity. If it was a dry heat, not even then. Oh my god. Not even then. Um. So then we talk about. Uh, I asked them, like, what, what's with biting? Like, why biting? Mm -hmm. um, so this is what he has to say. It's, you've got to think back to early human at the end of the day. Before we used tools, what did we have? Exactly the same as every other animal, tooth and nail. That was it. So it's an instinctual feature there in terms of aggression and defense to be fair um, but also biting has sexual connotations so in rape cases it may be a more sexual element rather than an aggressive element 
there but it does come in it, it, it's kind of animalistic brain territory more than anything else um, it's remarkably common overall even in cases where there's no sexual abuse um, you'll often you'll actually see a lot of young children kid, kindergarten age will bite because again that's the animal brain at, at work there they haven't learned you know appropriate behavior and their coordination doesn't really allow for the use of weapons or tools at that age so they use what they've got um, but in a, you know in a lot of cases I see without a sexual element there can often still be biting there as a kind of a punishment aspect to it a lot of the child abuse cases I've seen um, have actually been the mothers biting their children it's it's a lot it's a lot more than you would think you know you consider children being bitten very few people would consider the mother to be responsible they will always consider a man or another child but vast majority of cases I've worked where there has been no sexual element to the case the mother has actually been responsible for the biting so it's 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 a very common feature across uh, certainly sexual assault and rape cases but it's very common in child abuse cases as well um so that was the the well certain segments of my interview with dr lee and again if you want to hear the whole thing then become a supporter on Patreon and the entire interview will be available for you to listen to. And I, he was also gracious enough to send us some photos that we'll have on the blog um, of his time in Indonesia, or, uh, in Malaysia, Malaysia with the uh, tsunami. Cool. Amazing. So Amazing. there, if you're easily squeamed out, maybe think twice before Squeamed. checking those out because they're... they're <laughs> They're pretty graphic, but it gives you an idea of what he was working with. And, you know, yeah. you understand it was in 110 degree heat kind of makes it even a little more impactful. So we'll have those on the blog for you. Um, we'll also have a YouTube link. Uh, I'm sure there's footage out there readily available. But if you are not aware of how fucking violent and horrifying and deadly that tsunami was in this mm -hmm. short little three minute clip just shows a town getting fucking, like, wiped out. Yeah, it's, wiped off the map, basically. Very disturbing. So sad. And there's it's... also, um, there's, we talked a little bit about the Innocence Project as well. So they are, there are lots of open cases with the Innocence Project. Um, well, not literally open cases, but there are lots of cases with the Innocence Project of people who were wrongfully um, accused and wrongfully put in jail based on bite mark identification. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've given a hundred examples of why that's not, should not be allowed in as a sole piece of evidence right. in a court case. But, um, yeah. So yeah, super interesting. And thank you, Dr. Lee for talking yes. with me the other day. And this is, it was just so fucking cool. Mm -hmm. It's been an absolute pleasure, Lucy. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Dr. Lee, you are one of our two favorite doctors. Yep. We love you. Thank you so much. Yep. Speaking of graphic and identifying remains, um, my case is from a Forensic Files episode. Yes. Of course. I love when you pick cases from Forensic Files. 
Because <laughs> so, I already know what they are. Pretty much. Because you've probably already seen this episode. But I actually didn't find it from Forensic Files. I found it from, like, a different article that then led me to the Forensic Files episode. Oh and gosh. I was, like, so fucking yeah. happy. What a joyous so. moment that is when you realize the case <laughs> you've chosen has a Forensic Files episode. Oh, it's my God. I best. love it. It's like how I felt it's about so the pillow good. pyro. Thank God. So this is from uh, season two, episode eight, uh, entitled Charred Remains. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, yes. So this tale begins in 1991. Uh, There was a dumpster lit on fire using accelerants in a deserted parking lot in Vancouver. Uh, no witnesses saw whoever lit the fire, um, and it wasn't until the fire had already gone out on its own hours later that someone, his name was Milton Diaz, oh, and he's God. like this sweet little Hispanic janitor oh. guy with like a really strong accent. He's so cute. Oh, my so, God. So Milton came up to use the dumpster to just like throw out some trash, and he noticed that it was like searing hot to the touch. So it wasn't still on fire, but it was still really hot. Yeah, it was still really hot. Like, the metal of the dumpster was still really hot. So he looked inside, and he saw a, quote, small charred figure. Oh, God. So I'm going to need you to go look at the photos. No. These will be on the block. I labeled them remains one, two, and three. Jesus Christ. So, full disclosure, when I saw just the thumbnail of Remains 3 when I was getting to our yeah, notes... it looks like a dick. It's it a looks penis. like a penis. I was like, is that it a looks- charred penis? Yeah, it's actually... Oh that, my god, the, it does. What looks like the head of the penis is just the head of the corpse. Oh my god. Wow. It's not a penis. It's a full corpse. That is thoroughly burned. This looks exactly like the guinea pig I ate on my 25th birthday. It does look like a guinea pig. Yeah. I ordered... The fuck are you saying? Like a cooked, like a roasted guinea pig. Yeah, I ordered guinea pig from a restaurant because I wanted to have 25 things I'd never done before before I turned 25, and on my 25th birthday, I ate a guinea pig. Was it eating a pet? It was pretty good. (laughs) Or just eating a big guinea pig? I've never owned a guinea pig, so it wasn't like eating my pet. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, fuck them. It was delicious. I owned one-thirtieth of a guinea pig in fourth grade, and its name was Oreo. (laughs) Well, he tasted wonderful. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Okay, so basically, look at the photos on the blog, you guys, but it looks like if E.T. died in a fire. (laughs) That is... It totally does. Too accurate. Oh, my God. The legs are like... Not or like there. a human-sized frog, but like it's it's really tiny. Small. Yeah, this looks like a child. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. So uh, I will get into it, but it does not look adult human-sized. Um, initially, Milton, so just this random guy throwing trash away in the dumpster, thought maybe it was a dead dog, but he just wasn't sure, and so he called the police. Mm-hmm. Good for um, you, Milton. Good job, buddy. Yeah, you're a hero. So the police uh, came, they carefully removed the remains and sent them to the morgue for testing. Um, 
but identification would be a serious challenge because obviously this body is like super burnt beyond recognition. Yeah. Um, and quote, all that remained was 35 pounds of charcoal like material. Ah. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope. 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 Uh-uh. Nope. Mm-hmm. To quote my mother, no, 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 no. So, uh, investigators believe that if the fire had gone on for much longer, or if one gallon more of gasoline had been used as an accelerant, it would have been a complete cremation. Oh my god! So they were very <sighs> lucky to, because it just burned for hours and hours and hours in this dumpster with the lid. Or I guess the lid must have been open for air circulation, but it was like this metal... It was like a Mostly enclosed space. It was yeah. an oven. Yeah. yeah. It was like an oven, yeah. So I don't know exactly how they get ovens... I'm not calling them ovens. Hot enough to cremate someone, but another thing I learned from Dr. Lee is... Uh, 900 degrees is like the lower end of the cremation temperature. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And... A tooth will explode at 400 degrees. Is this so Celsius like this or Fahrenheit? Fahrenheit. Okay. Wow. Okay. So the top, the top of the tooth will blow off, and it's because the pulp inside <laughs> is is like water. It's like moisture. <laughs> so it cooks it and it explodes. Wow. Okay. Fun fact. So it was not that hot, and we will get into it, but it was pretty damn hot because. The all the okay, basically the fingerprints obviously are completely gone. Yeah. In fact, the medical examiner could not find any remaining skin. Oh my god. Jesus. It was gone. Um and DNA analysis wasn't even possible because the heat of the fire had chemically altered the DNA in the blood. No. Whoa. So like there was you could tell it's certain, like, once they sliced it open, you could tell, like, where blood had been circulating in some places, but they couldn't DNA test it. The DNA was fried, Oh, basically. my God. Ick. It's crazy. Holy shit. That's Which crazy. I didn't even know that that was possible. No, same. Also, yeah. this, is, this is 1991, so maybe that... Maybe they can get around that now, but at the time, it made DNA testing impossible. Okay. Yeah. Well, they didn't really um, have, like, a sample. What would your yeah. sample be? Ash? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They right. did not have a sample <clears throat> for blood or skin. Um, there was one remaining patch of hair, which is on the drive. It's oh, labeled God. remains hair. Ick. Jesus Christ. It's so gross, you guys. Do you see it? Yeah, it's oh. the tip of a penis with a little tuft of hair coming out of it. <laughs> How the fuck um, did that not burn up? That's crazy. So they believe it was from the back of the skull, or they know it's from the back of the skull, which had been pressed against the bottom of the dumpster, and oh. uh, so therefore somewhat protected from the flames because it was, like, against the dumpster. Okay. Um, mm. they, Still, though. They could tell that the hair was... Uh, somewhat long and so likely belonging to a woman or a girl, but not necessarily. Mm-hmm. And they believed it to be blonde. 
Um, but the hair follicles, so like the roots of the hair. That's where you actually get the DNA from, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. The follicles had been destroyed, so they couldn't get DNA from there either. Well, fuck. Yeah. Okay. There, so. There's no DNA in the hair itself. None. It's no, all from the only follicles. in the follicle. Yeah. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So you could, if you just like, you know, the hair at the on the floor at the barber shop, they cannot identify who who that belongs to. But if you're pulling hair out with the root. They yeah, can okay. identify that it. That makes sense. Yeah. So if you're ever kidnapped, try to yank some hair out by the root. Leave a of trail. Your kidnapper. Yeah. And yell, don't scream. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to get that tattooed on my body. No. Yell, don't oh. scream. Oh, that makes me sad because it's so fucking patriarchy. And creepy. I, know. I advise against it, but you do whatever you want because your body <laughs> is a wonderland and it belongs to you. <laughs> I would never get that tattooed on my body. Cool. I was being facetious. Cool. It's hard to tell. It's hard oh to tell God. sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to get up, I was being facetious tattooed on my body. First yes. up is a portrait of Ghostface. We'll go from there. Oh, oh my God. Ghostface is her cat for everyone who doesn't know. Yeah. Um, Maybe I was talking about the rapper. You'll never right. know. Maybe it should be a composite sketch of the two. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be really The ugly. two of okay. them doing a waltz with Ghostface on his hind legs. <laughs> Oh. Ghost, ghost face, like, looking back over his shoulder. Yes, ecstatic. it'd be so beautiful. Her <laughs> nipples just shining like diamonds. <laughs> oh, my God. Because okay. she's black, so her nipples stand out. I love it. Oh. Okay, let's back right. to the burned corpse. Okay. Okay. So an <laughs> x-ray of the skull revealed that the victim had suffered a gunshot wound to the head. Um, and that this had happened while the victim was still alive because there was a great deal of blood in the sinus cavity. Oh, so wow. they knew that, like, there was still, like, blood circulation at the time of the gunshot wound. Okay? Ugh. So they were, the victim was likely shot to death. You know? They could, mm-hmm. it was a, a gunshot wound right to the brain. So they believe that is what the victim died of. Right. Well, I'm glad um, it wasn't dying in that inferno in the dumpster. Seriously. Yeah. So it, the lungs showed no signs of smoke inhalation. So uh, the victim had been shot and killed before being placed in the dumpster and set ablaze. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now they know it's definitely a homicide and that there was definitely an attempt to, like, cover up or destroy the evidence. Oh, right? yeah. So, um... The bullet fragments in the brain, they could tell were to a twenty-two caliber rifle, mm-hmm. but they were so severely damaged that they couldn't do any further ballistics analysis. So mm. they could tell, like, what type of gun it was used for, but they would not have been able to say, like, this particular twenty-two caliber rifle shot it. I feel like... 22 caliber ammo is small too. Like when I I've gone shooting before yeah. and the person that I was shooting with was basically saying like if you shoot someone at any distance with a 22 and I could be wrong, I could be thinking of a different caliber, but you're basically just going to piss them off rather <laughs> than like actually kill them. Kill them, but obviously this is right. this could have been point blank to her head like that's still going to yeah, kill right. you, just the force alone. Yeah. But I don't know. That's yeah. so weird. That's just uh, It just seems like a weird detail. 
I can confirm that it was a close-range shot to the head. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, analysis of the remaining internal organs. So they basically, like, scraped away the ash, charcoal stuff, and there were, like, some organs left Mm. in, like, the torso. And uh, it revealed the victim to be an adult female. Wow. The only thing still really intact were the teeth. All right. Makes sense, considering. Yeah. So the teeth and the (laughs) jawbone. Forensic. Considering this week's episode topic. We did it. (laughs) Teeth. As they say in England. Teeth. Teeth. So the outer muscles of the face, this is from uh, a forensic odontologist's testimony on forensic files. He says the outer muscles of the face become quite leathery. Ick. And the stomach gases push the tongue out. Oh, Jesus. There is an image of that on the drive as well, if you care to see it. Oh, dear God. Oh, my God. Well, it's like of exploded teeth, but you can see the tongue, like, coming out. Yeah. So, the, yeah, the stomach gases come up through the esophagus and the tongue, like, hangs out. And the gums and the saliva act as further barriers to the fire. Okay? So it's not, like, impenetrable, but it slows down the burn. Right? Okay. All of these things acting together protects the teeth. Right? Mm-hmm. Also, I've got some, like, epic jowls happening. <laughs> so I no, feel like that... That would help me out. God. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I want, like, a, like a mini lift. You can it's be fine. a feminist and still want plastic surgery. I want it. It's true. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. Guilty feminist. Listen to that podcast. Okay. So, um, a forensic odontologist, Dr. Larry Cheevers. Oh, my God. Cheevers. Cheevers. Cheevers, uh, Christ. Cheevers. Cheevers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got like this adorable Irish accent. Mm-hmm. He's so cute. He's oh so cute. Oh my God. Dr. Larry Cheevers. Oh, I love was him. Was called upon to try to identify the victim via dental records. And so he estimated that the victim was between 24 and 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. That's a, like, that's a narrow gap actually. Right? Like, that's a pretty detailed mm-hmm. position to be in. Also, I wonder where my teeth would put me at <laughs> as I drink red wine. <laughs> 87 <laughs> years old. Yeah. The only liquids I've had today is just, like, multiple cups of coffee and then red wine. Perfect. So, oh, my God. You're going to barf. Yeah. I'm crushing it. Um, okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, okay, luckily for investigators, and then also I just need to add that the detective on the case, his name was Rick Crook. What? Crook. Oh my God. Detective Crook. How and did like, they go through like this on the Forensic Files episode? Like, how were they, they not laughing? They just, they were. <laughs> they just brushed past it. And, like, at least it's not Dick Crook. Yeah, that's true. But Rick Crook, come on. You're a detective and your name is Crook. It's amazing. I love it. So, uh, 
the for lucky luckily for investigators the victim had an extremely rare dental condition where an extra tooth remains inside the gums oh. behind another tooth okay and never drops down oh kind of yeah. like a third I probably had tooth. that also you uh, all of your teeth had that you basically My, are a shark yeah i know she has teeth in rows yeah. Yeah. My my next set's coming in. I'm kind of sore. Hey, yeah. She's teething not, at 30. Would I'm not teething. be surprised. You need to hand her that soft rubber ring to suck and chew on. The giraffe. <laughs> Sophie the giraffe. Sophie. Yeah. I want one of those necklaces with, like, the soft beads that, oh, like, comes God. apart really easily, but I'll just wear it myself, chew on it all day. I love it. I love it. Okay, so the victim's extra tooth was, uh, like, uh, on top of, and it's still in the gums, above her two front teeth. Okay. okay. Ooh, so that's weird. Where hers, that's where hers was. Um, she also had had a lot of high-quality dental work done. Okay. Um, so this ruled out certain backgrounds and lifestyles for the victim profilers. They knew that, you know, she likely was not homeless. Right. You know, she, she took care of her teeth, you know, teeth were in good condition and all this stuff. Right. Okay. Um, so using all this information, they start looking through the missing persons reports and one case stood out. And so that was of 30 year old Mary Lynn. She only went by Lynn. Breeden. Uh, she was a part-time model and cocktail waitress at a men's club. Oh, Hashtag fucking uh, patriarchy. Fuck. God. You know yep. it was her. Yep. Also, is cocktail waitress an outdated term? Yeah, we don't say that. Just waitress. They're serving cocktails. We, Waiter. We, we say server. Server. And I think the only time we refer to... Anything on in our restaurant is cocktail. Is there's a section of the restaurant that's mm-hmm. like high top tables? We call it the cocktail area. I also okay. think that just gendered words like that are kind of passe and not really appropriate. Oh, yeah. So you could yeah. say a cocktail server. Yeah, that's yeah. that would be a fine. But I think she waitress was, in general. We don't hostess. even say we don't even say hostess anymore. We just say host. Yeah, she was a server at a strip club. Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks for being PC about it. Mm. Yeah. So, okay, Whoa. she she was beautiful. She had blonde hair, like in a big Farrah faucet. You know, it's 1991. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got the whole, she, like, my hair, I was born in the wrong time period. I know, because, because my you hair could naturally, rock the feather. Yeah. Oh, my God. When I wake up. Like, my bedhead is, like, what took people hours to achieve in the 80s. It seriously like, it's, is. And a can of Coke and hairspray. Even so Kenyon's unfair. bangs feather. Her bangs naturally yeah. feather. It's insane. It's, it's unreal. It's pretty amazing. I know. I was just born at the wrong time. It's a okay. sight to behold. <laughs> so, uh, Lynn was last seen the day before the charred remains were found. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she had not been seen since these remains had been found. So uh-huh. everything's kind of lining up. Um, when Cheevers, Cheevers, compared her dental records to those of uh, the victim, it was a perfect match. Oh wow! And like, 
I mean, perfect. Like, it's, like, obvious to the naked, untrained eye that, like, it's the same fucking teeth. Wow. Yeah. All right, so uh, police began talking to Lynn's close friends. Uh, They tell her that she had a very big cocaine problem. Oh, poor baby. Um, Yeah. So at first, the police focused on her uh, ex-boyfriend, who was a local drug dealer. Mm -hmm. Um, He lived on the same street where she had last been seen. Mm. And he admitted to having spent most of of that you know, last evening with her. Okay. Um, so he said that they had had sex in his apartment and then they went out to a nightclub and then after the nightclub closed, they went out to a small after-hours club, which looks mad sketchy. Was okay. it, uh, what was that club from the arson episode? Oh, what oh. was it called? The it one was in like the Wonderland or something yeah, like that. Something Wonderland like, Ballroom. There's yeah. something like that. It wasn't that, yeah. but something like that. I don't know the name of it, but it just looked like a real piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like somebody's fucking club. house. Club. Was yeah. it Happy Happy Land? Happy Land. Oh, happy Land. Happy Land. Ballroom. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the ex-boyfriend told police that he had had spent the whole night with Lynn, but then he left her at this after-hours club because they'd had an argument, mm-hmm. and he was pissed that she was flirting with other men, sure. and he told her he wanted to leave, mm-hmm. and she was like, fuck you, I'm having fun, and chose Which, to stay behind. Good for her. You good, do good you, for her, Boo Bear. But she ends up charred in a dumpster. Yeah, but, but it's fine. That's not, not her fault. That's not her fault. But live your life. Mm. Live your life. Live yeah. your life. Oh, God. Okay, so um, police then received an interest. So they're looking at the ex-boyfriend, and he looks suspicious, but then they get this tip from a, an anonymous person in the public mm-hmm. saying that... Um, the manager, uh, oh, oh, the tip is from the manager of Lynn's local bank branch. Oh, weird. Okay. okay. So the local bank branch manager calls the police and is like, hey, I heard that Lynn has gone missing and this just happened. Okay. So, a woman had attempted to pose as Lynn and withdraw all the money from her account, which was like $4,000. Um the day after she had gone missing. Okay, oh. that's suspicious. Sketch much. And the bank teller uh, knew that the woman wasn't Lynn, which is like shop local. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if people, like if your bank teller like knows who you are and can recognize your face, like that's awesome. Yeah. I bet my bank teller would recognize me. I always get the same one every time. I have not physically gone into a bank in I don't know how long. Drive up. But yeah, not, I get it. Not, not even. Yeah. Well, also, <laughs> I don't earn any money, so. <laughs> Fair that enough. would be a major caveat. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm penniless. So, <laughs> not um, worth it. Don't bother. The IRS case manager probably. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the local authorities would recognize me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Off the, the posters. Sheriff. 
No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it's not quite that bad, but it's close. So, um, <laughs> the bank teller knew that this woman wasn't fucking Lynn and was like, no, I'm not giving you this money. And right. then the woman, like, qu- quickly left. Good for her. Okay. Way so, to go, bank uh, teller banks, woman. Yeah. Right? So good. Um, okay, so the security footage from the bank showed that the woman was, like, frequently looking out of the window to mm. a person standing on the sidewalk in front of the bank. No. And the police, the, thought, the police thought that it was likely an accomplice. Ick. Okay. So at first there was too much glare on, uh, on the window, so like in photos of the window. You can't see To it. tell who that her. person was. Yeah. But and like, to disorient Kenyon mm-hmm. beyond. <laughs> I would give up instantly. <laughs> well, like, fuck this. Earlier today, I was like sitting outside and like walking my dog, and I was sitting and reading a magazine, and like this woman walked up, and I acted like I was just like, hello, like it was a stranger, and it was like full on someone that I totally know, have yeah. known for years, <laughs> and I just like didn't recognize them because they were like 10 feet In too the far sun. away. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was hosting not hostessing at a restaurant like five years ago mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. had Elvis Presley Day because it was Elvis's birthday so we had like Elvis brunch I love Elvis brunch or something mm-hmm. and, I was, and I was wearing Elvis sunglasses with like fake sideburns on the sunglasses <laughs> fantastic <laughs> they were pretty why, fucking amazing why don't we have a photo of that yeah this I have seems photos wrong. I'll send I'll send you one okay good okay. there will be a photo on the blog mm-hmm. <laughs> yes <laughs> but uh Corey, my husband, boyfriend at the time, but still been together for like eight fucking years, came in with one of his friends, and I was standing at the host stand (laughs) facing these huge windows wearing these really dark sunglasses, so those factors, I didn't recognize, I heard his voice, and I, he's like, hey, and I just said, Hey guys, how's it going? Oh my you can God. take a seat at the bar. Uh, I'll come let you know when a table's ready. And he thought I was just being like weird. Goofy, yeah. yeah. But it, it was probably 25 minutes later when I was like, oh my God, that's my oh. live in boyfriend of almost a decade. That's okay. amazing. Oh my yeah, God. It's, it's hard being blind, you guys. So I get it's it. Not easy. I get it. It's not easy. Mm-mm. All right. <laughs> also, uh, a friend of mine here in South Africa, who listens to the podcast religiously. Hello, Lindy. Um, <laughs> the other day, I forget what it was, but I, like, offered to drive, and he was like, no, that's that's fine. No, it's okay. It's okay. No, it's okay. okay. I'll, I'll drive. <laughs> Stay off so, like, the road. <laughs> he knew from the podcast <laughs> that I should not be driving. Oh, yeah. You shouldn't ever be driving. The podcast oh, no, and your criminal was. record. This is what it was. It wasn't me offering to drive. He purpose. We were meeting up for a drink, and he knew that I was going to be driving to this place, and he was also driving to this place. And so he purposefully parked, like out of the way, far out of the way, so that <laughs> I wouldn't park next to his nice car. Amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. He knows you. He knows he me so well. You. He's going to be the DJ at our wedding. Love you, Lindy. Oh, my God. I can't wait to meet Lindy. 
So, um, okay, fucking where were we at? So this imposter lady is looking out the window at the bank, and it might be an accomplice on the other side of the window, right? Mm -hmm. We'll get back to it. So uh, the police start to publish photos from the bank security footage of this lady, and somebody in the public recognizes her and names her, Mm -hmm. okay? So the police go, and they interview her, and she's like, look... I was given this woman's wallet and, like, information about where she banks. Uh, I knew it was stolen, uh, but I did not... I had no fucking idea that this woman was dead Mm -hmm. or had been murdered. And I, like, yes, I was doing something wrong and illegal, but I had nothing to fucking do with this woman dying. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just simple... Theft. theft and fraud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she, she was like, I was just trying to get money out of this bank account before the wallet was reported stolen mm-hmm. and like, whatever. And so then she told the police the name of the man who had given her this woman's purse. Okay, and it was Christian Cruz. Okay. 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 Christian Cruz was a male model slash actor slash pre med student slash, slash porn star. Literally slash stripper slash male escort. Uh, oh my god! A jack of all trades. His name mm-hmm. is Christian Cruz. Christian He's Cruz. Definitely in the sex industry. Oh god. Yeah. So he um, he knew Lynn because they were both models and they both had an appetite for cocaine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they Who were kind doesn't? of. Who doesn't? Right? In 1991. They were running in the same circles, you know, going to the same clubs, whatever. Um, uh, It explains how we can, like, stay awake for fucking med school. Exactly. Can you imagine being, like, um, being a model and an escort and a stripper and also pre-med? Yeah, like, more than a full-time job just being pre-med. Like, this is insane. When do you have time to watch your shows? I can barely have a full-time job (laughs) and a podcast with my Netflix addiction, so... I'm barely hanging on. This guy is crushing it. Right. He he needed that cocaine just to get by. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Throw in med school. Fucking goddammit. Is that true, though? Or is that just part of his, like, stripper persona? No, no. He was, he was, he was pre-med. So he was not in med school, but he was in college and taking all of the, like, you know, anatomy, biology, chemistry, whatever, all those classes, right? God bless him. Of course you'd need coke. My God. Right. My God. My God. My God. My God. <laughs> so, um, okay, so they pull Christian in for, uh, you know, questioning. He uh, admits to knowing Lynn. He admits to being at the After Hours Club on the night in question and, and seeing Lynn there. Mm-hmm. But he tells police that he was only there for, like, 20 minutes, and then he left in a taxi to go meet up with a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. A likely story. Right. And police are like, okay, cool. Uh, can we search your car? Yeah. And he was like, what? <laughs> Wait, you want Wait, this to go what? further? You're not just going to take me at my word? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't understand. (laughs) So he lies and tells police, like, oh, you know, it's not here. Like, I didn't drive it here. It's not working well. Um, It's parked at my grandmother's house. 
And police knew he was lying because they had already had him tailed on his way into questioning. Oh, that's badass. Yes. God damn it. So they knew that he had driven his car there and that it was parked nearby. Mm-hmm. So they get a warrant. They search the car, um, and it's a fucking treasure trove of evidence. Oh, shit. Okay. Did they find a necklace of her teeth in his car? <laughs> they do? Oh, my God. They do find a necklace. And <gasps> oh, my we God. Will get what? To, we will get <laughs> they, find a, they find a necklace. It's not of teeth, but oh, it's okay, very okay, identifying. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay, so... There's visible blood on the outside of the car on the door handle. So, like, it's just like the fucking suitcase. You wipe it off. So sloppy. Wipe it off. Wipe (laughs) it off. It's not real. Wipe it off. I can't. Um, There's blood all over the trunk. Uh, There's a photo album including headshots of... Cruz, uh, covered in blood. Um, there's a 22 caliber rifle. Oh my god! Oh. This guy just made a sign that said "I did it" and pasted it all over his car and dropped it off at the police station. That's what he did. Oh my god! That's what he did. Second only to the duct tape bandit. What a fucking more! This guy's almost dumber than the duct tape bandit. At least the duct tape bandit was trying to conceal that he was the culprit in some way. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Well, just wait, just wait. Oh, God. There's oh a bloody God. tire iron. Oh, Jesus. There's a five-gallon jug of gasoline that's empty. Okay, how long after the murder was the? Was this, like, the next day or, like, a week later? Like, how long did pretty, he have to Pretty quickly, but he definitely this? had he definitely had more than 24 hours. To get rid oh of God. all this shit, and he just fucking yeah. didn't. Deal yeah. with it. They believe that he was living out of his car. Okay, but still, well, but throw you access to a away. dumpster. Yeah, obviously. you clearly did. Yeah. Since you put a woman yeah. in one. Yeah. Jesus. Perhaps most monster. damning of all, uh, <laughs> inside the pocket of Cruz's suit jacket, which witnesses identified as the one that he had worn at the after hours club that night. In the pocket of his suit jacket was a gold Playboy bunny pendant necklace. Lynn had once posed for Playboy, and in return, she had been given a Playboy bunny pendant necklace that was gold with diamonds. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm looking at a picture of the necklace. Were all the diamonds, like, pried out of it? Or is it just a weird picture? So, I think the diamonds were pried out of it. It really looks like it. It looks like he pried the diamonds out of this necklace. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay, so you might think, open and shut case. Guy fucking obviously didn't even take the time to, like, hide the evidence. Let's convict him right now without a trial. Right. Is it not all circumstantial, though? It is. Yeah. It is all circumstantial because, remember, the blood chemistry from Lynn's charred remains was fucking altered yep. by the fire. Yep. So yeah. they did not so have Lynn's DNA on hand to compare it with the blood found all over Cruz's car. Yeah. 
God okay, damn it. Okay, so at this point, investigators are like, fuck, like, obviously he fucking did it, but it's all circumstantial, and we need to nail this guy. Right. Tooth pulp. Tooth pulp. Oh, God. Yes! Oh, God. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I'm so, so excited. <laughs> so... Cue forensic odontology to the rescue. Oh, Jesus. So, a new forensic odontologist, Dr. David Sweet, was fucking dentist. For odontology. (laughs) 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 Oh my God, I love it. Sweet tooth. What fucking dentist? His last name is Sweet. The same person whose last name is Crook, who ended up being a detective. Uh, I know. My, my cousins had a dentist growing up named Dr. Harms. Oh, God. And Scott's orthodontist was Dr. Worms. Ick. Do- I had Dr. Worms, too, until oh he retired. God. Yikes. Yeah. I okay. had Dr. Newhouse. He was very kind. I don't mm. remember who my orthodontist was. Then in <laughs> high school, I had the father of one of our friends as my Gynecologist? And... No. <laughs> no, I also had I also had the, the the mother of a friend as my gynecologist in high school, and it was really uncomfortable. Okay, anyway, so uh, so forensic odontologist Dr. David Sweet was following the case in the newspapers, and he called the police to suggest a brand new technique for extracting DNA from. The tooth pulp. Oh, God. Tooth pulp. Tooth pulp. Um, which had never been attempted before. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it was the very first case of using tooth pulp to get DNA. Wow. Dang. So Landmark. Luck- so, luckily, Lynn had never had her wisdom teeth removed, and so these were still impacted inside the gums, and so they were, like, extra protected from the fire oh, than even her nice. normal teeth. And she had that weirdo front tooth. Yes. I don't think they used the weirdo front tooth. I think they used the wisdom tooth, but yes. Mm. Um, and it totally worked. So police uh, from the tooth pulp had Lynn's DNA, and they were able to compare it to the blood all fucking over Cruz's car, wow. including all over his fucking model headshots. Ew. Please tell and me you have the a, headshots for the blog. Oh, I do. Oh, I do. Oh, thanks, With blood God. on them. Yeah. <sighs> it was a perfect match. Uh, so, basically, Cruz had given Lynn a ride from the club. They had gotten into an argument probably over cocaine or, like, paying for cocaine. Yeah. Or he had given her cocaine and she, you know, wasn't going to pay him for it, whatever. He got mad, he pulled over, Lynn got out of the car, he hit her over the head with the tire iron, what the and fuck? then shot her in the head after she was, like, On the know, ground. Yeah, incapacitated. He then stuffed her body in the trunk, and then dumped her in the dumpster, and lit the dumpster on fire. Poor baby. What a piece of shit. He is kind of yeah. a hunk, though. He's very cute, but he's a piece of shit. He's got a weird nose, so Christian, but he has really nice abs. Uh, his nose is a little bit penis-like. Yeah, I don't like his nose, but I like his abs and like, his pectorals. Like you can, you can tell that like his nose matches his penis, yeah. which is always yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got like, a some, dick on your face. Oh, yeah, it's some, your nose. 
Some faces you can definitely be like, oh, that's exactly what your penis looks like. I guarantee Got it. it. Yeah. He looks so. like um guy from Saved by the Bell. Screech. <gasps> he no, no. <laughs> the hot guy. I know. I just wanted the, it to be like, Screech. The like buff guy. <laughs> Mario Lopez. <laughs> yeah, Zach? Mario Lopez. Yeah. Yeah. What's Mario Lopez's uh, name know. on Saved by the Bell? Slater. Know. Slater. Oh, Slater. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like kind of like Slater a little bit. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, he's convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. Sayonara. Later, boner. Sayonara, yep. Slater. <laughs> See us later. I love it. <laughs> See us later, Slater. <laughs> Who's this guy who looks like George R. R. Martin? Okay, 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 okay. So <laughs> this guy, he does. I didn't. I didn't know where to put this in in the notes because it was not relevant. But like, <laughs> there was some local journalist that the police were talking to, and they were like, "Uh, oh, we don't think we're gonna be able to solve this," you know, whatever. When it was looking like glum, and this was the journalist, and he just looked so fucking crazy. He's like, obviously, he did it, no, right? No, like, yeah, just just he did it. He just looks like he writes <laughs> like sexy. Fucking Tolkien fan fiction fiction. all day. Cosplay, historical. He has a sex novel adaptation of The Hobbit somewhere in his house that he wrote himself. Yeah, with dragons. With dragons. (laughs) (laughs) Tooth pulp fiction. (laughs) (laughs) He does look like George R. R. Martin. He does. 200 pounds ago. Yeah. So I had to include the photo, but it had nothing to do with the story, but he's a local journalist that covered the case. He's amazing. Greg Middleton, yeah. you are a hero. Cheers to yeah. Greg Middleton. Woo! Cheers. All right, that's my case. Nice work. Nice job. That was Thanks. a good one. Lots of photos. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. So we're going to go back in time to the 1930s, like I like to do. Yeah, you do. We're also going to travel abroad to Australia. Abroad. Oh. <laughs> All right. This is the Crocodile Dundee. Crocodile Dundee's homeland. Um, which, side note, Dan's mom, I wonder if you're listening, she was at the live show. She used to have a massive crush on Crocodile Dundee, and I will never understand it. <laughs> I thought he was so hot. I, like, still make fun of her this day. Anyway. Oi. This is the case. This is a knife. Oi, this is the case of the pajama girl. <laughs> My Australian accent is really bad, but this is the case of the pajama girl. And I wanted to note okay. that it was hard to write my notes because the Australian spelling of pajama is P-Y-J-A-M-A. Oh, yeah. Instead of Very P-A-J-A-M-A. So it's like mm-hmm. all different throughout my notes, and I almost had a fit. <laughs> Gave up. It was bad. Uh, you almost had a kyniption. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's late August of 1934, and we're in Splitters Creek in Australia. <laughs> And local, Why does that sound erotic? I don't know. <laughs> local man Tom Griffith made a gruesome discovery while leading his prized bull along the side of Howling Road <laughs> near near Albury. We are definitely in Australia. Yep. This is amazing. He noticed something strange in like a drainage trench running underneath the road and also smelled a strong odor of kerosene. 
Mm. Yep. He climbed down mm. to get a closer look and found a slightly concealed and badly burnt body that definitely would not have been visible to anyone driving by. So it had to have been like put there very much on purpose. The victim mm-hmm. was female, which um, I don't know if he could tell right away, but I, he, there was something that said like he met, said that she was a woman, um, and he could probably tell by her small frame, but mostly the singed yellow silk pajamas with a Chinese dragon motif. Oh. So, reminder, this is Australia in the 1930s, so it's, like, Depression-era Australia. So this clothing would have been... So she's rich. It's probably, like, trendy. Well, this clothing would have, exactly, been considered very luxurious and, like, young, youthful, and bohemian. Yeah. And that's likely why Mm -hmm. this detail stuck and the victim was remembered throughout history as the pajama girl. Oh, okay, okay. Her head was wrapped in a towel... She had wounds indicating that she'd been shot and extensive bruising indicating that she'd been badly beaten. So she wasn't burnt to a crisp like Kenyon's case, but she was also lit on fire. But there were enough spaces of, like, unsinged flesh to show some previous injuries. And also, you can still, I think, detect bruising in muscle tissue and if there were any fractures to her bones. So all of those things combined... um, brought them to the determination that she'd been badly beaten. And obviously, um, gunshot wounds are fairly easy to identify. Right. Um, Okay. Though it was proven in forensics that the victim was a petite woman in her 20s, authorities could not identify who she was. A local investigation was conducted, but failed to yield any results, so her body, this blew my mind, her body was taken to Sydney, Australia, where she was put on public exhibition. No. Why? Yeah. Because she was not identified? Well, I don't really know if that was why. And, I mean, I've been to, there was an exhibit that traveled around the country called Body Worlds. Oh yeah, I've been, so I've been to that. Yeah, and it's really fascinating. And those are all those are all real human remains. But the grossest part gave was their the fetus. Yeah, progression. But I, I actually really yeah. don't they all gave know. their explicit consent. though. Of course they did. And this is obviously this is a Jane Doe, so there's no consent to be given to to use her right. body in this way. So I, that just uh. blew my mind. I, I I don't know. Maybe they thought that other people seeing it might lend some suggestions to the investigation. I don't know, but the long and short of it is that she did. She was preserved in a a bath of formaldehyde and kept at the Sydney University Medical School until 1942. So she was there for like she was there for like seven or eight years on display. Oh my god! And in 1942, her body was sent to the Sydney Police Headquarters and stayed there until 1944. Oh my god. Yeah. So several names were suggested for the identity of the dead woman and like the two leads among them were Anna Philomena Morgan and Linda mm-hmm. Ag- Agostini. So I like the name Philomena. I know. Mm-hmm. Me too. Both women were uh, were missing. Both bore a likeness to the pajama girl and both were of the right age. However, New South Wales police satisfied themselves that neither of these missing women were the pajama girl, and she just remained unidentified. Okay? So So why why did they roll those two out? They just had their reasons? They had their reasons. 
don't really know why they ruled them out. I think there were some, like, yeah. physical differences and, like, circumstantial mm-hmm. differences. And it's the 30s, okay. and I think that there just wasn't... There was no evidence that wasn't circumstantial to link this body to these people, so they just had no reason to continue believing it was them. Like, there's no yeah. forensic evidence okay. to prove that the, that the two of them, or the three of them, were correlated in any way. Okay. So now it's been 10 years since Tom found the pajama girl. He found her in 1934. Sydney police headquarters gets her body in 1944. Okay. Wow. No leads, no real evidence, nothing for all of these 10 years. There's just jack shit. Mm. With the case still open, forensic investigators wanted to take another crack at it. And I can only assume it's because in the course of 10 years, some developments in technology or at least understanding of forensic science had Mm. emerged. So they wanted to try again. Um, And this time around, they took a dental analysis of the victim, which they didn't take the first time around. Mm. So this proved to be the evidence they needed to identify the victim and carry on with their investigation. So the pajama girl was identified as being Linda Agostini, who disappeared about a week before the body was found in Splitters Creek. So it was her. Wow. Wow. So it was one of those two that they mm-hmm. had narrowed it down to. Which I feel wow. like does, makes it, it's not super surprising that it was one of those two because they obviously narrowed it down because they had some reason, circumstantial reason to believe that it was one of them. And then yeah. the forensic evidence just corroborated what lead they already had but couldn't, like, cinch. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah good, good for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Linda was born in southeast London. She grew up working in a confectionery store. She sold candy. Aww. In, in Surrey. Along with Dr. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the age of 19, she moved to New Zealand. There's some speculation that she left um, England because of, like, a heartbreak, went to New Zealand. Then in 1927, she moved to Sydney and started working at, um, like, a little picture house, like a little movie theater, while she was living Mm -hmm. in a little boarding house for women. So I also found this interesting because, like, slut-shaming and victim-blaming has just been around since the dawn of time or the dawn of the patriarchy. So she was Mm -hmm. described as a vivacious young lady who entertained young, attractive men, a heavy drinker, and a jazz-age party-goer who had difficulty adjusting to stability. So all of us. So she was fun. (laughs) Yeah, she was fun. She knew how to have a good time. Mm -hmm. And she was in her 20s. Who in their 20s adjusts to stability? And she could identify her clitoris. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. I like her. Yeah. Yeah. So she married Italian-born Antonio Agostini in a small courthouse in Sydney in 1930. It apparently was an unhappy marriage from the start, and it began with Antonio moving the couple to Melbourne to remove Linda from the influence of her slutty friends in Sydney. Because he thought she was oh too much God. of a wild woman. So he basically married her. It's one her of the first like, signs of domestic abuse yeah. is when the abuser tries to separate you from your loved ones. Right. Just cut you off mm-hmm. from your network entirely. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's no surprise that Antonio became the number one person of interest in this case. Lucky mm-hmm. for the police commissioner, Antonio had recently returned to Sydney after being held in internment camps from 1940 to 1944. So this is like obviously Whoa. World War II era. In Japan? or like um, He was held in Orange, Hay, and Loveday. So he was in three different camps in like three different locations. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so the police commissioner, a guy named William Mackay, actually had known Antonio before the war. So initially he tried to talk to him in like a more casual way when he became the focus of this investigation to just see what he could find out. And during yeah. this conversation, he notices that Antonio seems to be getting incredibly nervous and even like pauses Ooh. and asks like, what's come over you all of a sudden? What's going on? And right mm. then and there, Antonio confesses to killing Linda. Like, knows Jeez, wow. he's caught and, like, can't even do it anymore. So I feel for the guy, go... I'm so drunk. Yeah. I feel for the guy, though, <laughs> because I once fainted during a phone interview. Oh, yeah. It's very nerve-wracking. Well, when your adrenaline's <laughs> yeah. running like that, it was, it's scary. It was brief, but, yeah, I definitely passed the fuck out and then, like, came to and had to just keep going with the interview. Mm-hmm. Did they notice that you fucking fainted? I don't think so, but I did not get the job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey, no. No, you didn't. Understandable. <laughs> so, in Antonio's statement, he confessed to fatally shooting his wife uh, while they were living in Melbourne, but that it was an accident. He accidentally shot her. And afraid okay. he might be accused of murder because, duh, he drove the body <laughs> to the state border and dumped her in a ditch under the road. He then poured petrol over her body and set fire to it yeah. with the intention of destroying the evidence, but... All of us Forensic Files lovers know that this shit doesn't work out that way. So obviously no. mm-hmm. that didn't teeth, work. Teeth, 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 so the jury mm, must have been sympathetic to his like accidental shooting story, and so he was served with maybe because new charges. he was a serviceman, probably, and he had been in a POW. I have camp. a picture of him on the blog. He's actually pretty cute too. Like this couple was mm-hmm. beautiful. Like Linda is adorable. Like this cute little freckled yeah, she's very sweetheart, cute. and then you know he there's like a picture of them on the beach, looking swarthy. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's hmm. cute. But yeah, so he was charged later with manslaughter and sentenced to only six years in prison, released in 1948. And upon his release, he was also deported out of Australia back to Italy, and he died in Italy in 1969. So, okay. though the case seems pretty cut and dry, and I I do not deviate from the conviction, I think he did it. Um, there are, mm-hmm. however, doubts of Antonio's guilt. So his arrests apparently came, like, just as the public confidence in the South, uh, the new South Wales police force had taken a big hit, largely because they couldn't seem to crack this, like, decade-long case, and people were so obsessed with it, and they were starting to just be like, well, what the mm-hmm. fuck, authorities, like, you can't do anything. It just seemed like... And probably post-war, they hated Italians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. So it seemed like very convenient timing for an arrest to be made, and the circumstances of Antonio's confession are, quote, still very dubious today. And there's Mm -hmm. this guy, Richard Evans, who is a Melbourne historian. He also had doubts about Antonio, and he wrote a book in 2004 called 
the pajama mystery, the pajama girl mystery, a story of murder, obsession, and lies. He points out that mm-hmm. there are a number of discrepancies in the evidence and claims Antonio's confession and subsequent conviction was more the result of police con- corruption and miscarriage of justice. He mentioned that mm-hmm. the pajama girl had brown eyes, but Linda Agosti's eyes were blue, that the pajama girl had a different bust size than Linda, and that mm-hmm. Linda had a different shaped nose. But again, all of this seems super circumstantial to me, and if she were lit on fire, wouldn't that augment some of like her facial or bust structure? Uh, right. If I set my nose yeah. and tits on fire, they probably wouldn't appear to be <laughs> the same. You know, and I feel like it's probably I don't really know. It's probably hard know. post-mortem to identify eye color too. Especially uh, if you're yeah. burned I like, no idea. like a post-mortem I mean, and also lit on fire. Like I just don't feel and like And also that's decomposition. Solid. Yeah. You're going to swell. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Also, I just want to point out that in a past episode, several several <laughs> Listeners pointed out that we mistakenly equated a pulmonary embolism with a heart attack. Not the same. And not the same thing. Pulmonary means lungs. Mm-hmm. So obviously anything medical, we are not the experts. No, not we even close. No. Anything, anything, listen we're not the to, experts listen on. Listen to Dr. Lee yeah. and Dr. Nandy. So, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's the story of the pajama girl. I love it. Mm. Also, I just want to add that the only thing that I want in my life, and my 30th birthday is coming up, is <laughs> a tooth a necklace. Pa- oh. No, is a pair of like fancy matching silk pajamas. Yellow silk pajamas with a Chinese dragon motif. No. I don't need all the, I don't need anything Chinese on there. I'm already on Amazon. I (laughs) I lived in China. I don't need that. But I just want like, you know, like a classy, fancy, matching silk pajama set. That's all I want in my life. Okay. So. We'll see what we can do. Make that happen. That's an odd thing to be the only thing that you want. It'll all get sent to the business address and then I'll just keep them. That and like an income. (laughs) That'd be nice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Take it away with special thanks. Special thanks this week. We have Carrie Cousins, Jay Moore, who increased her pledge from $5 to $10 this month. Yes, thank you. Ooh, glass is coming at you. Yes, queen. Yes. Jay Palacios or Palacios? Nailed it. Not sure. Close up. And... Robin Reynolds. So all four of these lovely ladies uh, are donating at the $10 a month level, which means they will be receiving a fucking patriarchy wine glass in the mail. Mm-hmm. These glasses are dope, so I would recommend either donating at $10 a month or more or buying one on our merch store. Yeah, I'm drinking it's, out of one right now. Mm-hmm. I love so it. am I. So am I. I love it so much. Fucking patriarchy, mm-hmm. you guys. Fucking also, patriarchy. Lucy designed the exact uh, design on the glasses, mm-hmm. so it's it's homegrown, mm-hmm. y'all. Mm-hmm. I okay. also packaged them by hand, which is why it took fucking six months for some of you to get yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not quite that long. We have We've not been, been doing the podcast for, for that six long. months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. it felt like a fucking decade. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, Sorry it, it about took it. a while. It took a while. We've got into a groove now. We've got a system going. All good. So now mm-hmm. people are gonna get their merch 
a lot faster. All We've good. got it down. Mm-hmm. All right. I also want to uh, give a special thanks to people who have sent us heartfelt email mm-hmm. messages lately. Um, so it just kind of like drives home the fact that people are dealing with all sorts of stuff in their lives, like mental health issues, physical health issues, uh, stress from work or relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We fucking get it. Yep, we live uh, it so right we're there, right with, there you. with you. Yeah, like even if we haven't been in your exact position, we can fucking empathize because we've all dealt with mental health or physical health or whatever in our own lives. Mm-hmm. So we get it. And your messages about what you're going through and how the podcast is helping you get through it means so much to mm-hmm. us. We so, love it. Yeah, if we can make we you really do. have at least a couple moments of joy throughout your day when you're also going through all the bullshit that life has to offer, that means it's totally yeah. worth everything that we're doing. So thank you. Yeah, yes, thank you so thank much. You. And like, I'm a huge podcast fan, and I know that there have been other podcasts before I became a podcaster that helped me get through shit. Mm-hmm. So I get it, and just thank you so much for letting us know and like opening up like that. Mm-hmm. So and and frankly, making this podcast is helping us get through our shit too. Oh so yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a lovely cycle, big time. Absolutely. We absolutely. We started yeah. this after the election of 2016. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if that gives you any idea of where yeah. we were at emotionally when we decided to kick that off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. This podcast has saved me emotionally quite a few times. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just want to give a special shout-out to, and this is not a comprehensive list, but just the most recent people who have emailed us. Um, Lauren McEldowney, uh, Brittany Arroyo, and Megan Wojcik. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for just, like, opening up your lives to us and being transparent and, and sharing that with us. We really appreciate it. We get it. Mm-hmm. We empathize. And, and we uh, love you. keep listening. And we love and you. We love and, you. And, and, you know, be well. You know, take care of yourselves. We love you. Also, we want to shout out and special thanks uh, Studio Sweden, our sponsor this week. Uh, Studio Sweden has great headphones and earbuds, so definitely check them out at studiosweden.com and use the promo code GALS, G-A-L-S. All right. All right. Bye. We're going to let Dr. Lee close us out this week. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. This is going to be so bad. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it, I'll say it in my in my best British received pronunciation first. Thank you, my dears, for listening to Wine and Crime. Just so you can have that anyway. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, as for the Minnesotan accent, well, thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. I think that's probably a bit more Texan, isn't it? It's probably quite awful. I don't think I want to know about what this podcast will sound like later, actually. (laughs) Hey there, mixers and hide and seekers. I'm Mixer Hyde, and I am the host of a podcast called In The Mix. Each week, I talk about culture and interview people making that culture. And oftentimes, those people are podcasters. I believe that everyone has a story to tell and a message to share. And I personally intend to hear as many of those as possible. So why don't you join me and let's discover something. You can find In The Mix on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have wine recommendations or creepy true crime stories to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. More importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. We are a totally independent show, so if you'd like to support us and get a shout-out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers!